and it's actually never been easier. Sometimes you can tell if I'll like, if I'm doing like the fifth podcast in a day and I'll forget who I'm talking to, I'll have to like scroll the mouse over their name to make sure I, but you've got to plaster it all behind you. So that makes my job easier. But Mr. Hey. Steve Cara running for Congress. And before we get into all the topics, like for all future listeners, today is Friday, February 18th, 2022. So uh, relevance is uh, what's going on in Ukraine. What's going on in Ottawa right now is uh, as Trudeau goes full dictator. Uh, freezing bank accounts, I guess the importance of crypto coin, the FBI making a new cryptocurrency uh, unit. Um, but more importantly than all those things, and I think you'd agree, is election integrity, because none of the topics we're going to talk about matter unless the votes matter. But before we dive into it, and because I love the sound of my own voice, I'll shut up. Mr. Cara, please introduce yourself. Thanks for having me on, Tommy. I'm Steve Cara, state representative here in southwest Michigan, running for U.S. Congress. I was endorsed by President Trump back in September of last year. And I don't know if you heard, but Rand Paul just endorsed me in this past week as well. I, did, I didn't know the second one. Congratulations, man. That's badass. It's, uh, yeah, it's, so to get into it, you're right. And I know everyone knows kind of the biggest topic for me is, is Section 230, but I've, I've beat that to death with other candidates. And uh, I think it's, it's slowly dawning on me that, uh, that it, it's not going to really matter. I'm just going to have to figure it out on my own, go to Rumble, bitch, shoot, Odyssey. I can sit around and be like, well, I'm going to wait for the government to break until it's just like, hey, man, go find out your own path to like win. I don't want to be sitting here in 20 years still complaining about YouTube. Um, but with that, really more important than any of the topics will be election integrity, right? And I mean... I think some people are probably warming up, even if they don't vocalize it, to the idea that something went down in 2020, as a lot of people, I think, are having the the veil pulled back from their eyes, just seeing what's going on right now with COVID, collusion between the government and Big Pharma, namely Pfizer, covering up VAERS deaths, uh, suppressing early treatment, um, and making $36.5 billion on the COVID vaccine, according to Axios. Maybe that will help people go, all right, well, if they're lying about that, what else are they? What what was the other big lie? And um, what was, I mean, those are the two things that you'd get suspended from YouTube for. I was permanently banned for talking about election integrity or fortification and COVID. Where do we stand right now? Well, I guess we'll go with you specifically in Michigan about election integrity, because none of this matters. Oops. Well, so my uh sorry about that this microphone just cut out that's done that a couple times before that's no good but uh good thing we have it back can you hear me yeah all right good that's happened a couple times before and uh clearly i'm unprofessional in michigan where do we stand on election integrity nothing matters if it gets fortified at 4 a.m like none of these these this podcast is pointless your campaign is pointless and that's not an attack on you. I just mean in general. It, it does not matter if uh, if a Hail Mary of uh, ballots can show up in a blacked out SUV at four in the morning. So I certainly encourage people still, of course, to vote with all of the questions regarding the election and all the irregularities we saw. The alleged results say that I won. So the alleged results say that other good elected officials around the nation won. Uh, but there certainly are questions. And I was fighting for election integrity before the November 3rd election happened even. I won a lawsuit against the Secretary of State here in Michigan. 
she was trying to say that poll challengers had to maintain six feet of social distancing on election day. And I was like, well, you can't see a poll book or read a computer screen from six feet away. So I filed the lawsuit. I won a few days before the election, but largely throughout the state, in many circumstances, including at the TCF Center, where you know some of the viewers may uh, may know about how they boarded up the windows mm-hmm. after kicking out challengers. A lot of what created that tension was that the poll challengers were trying to be within six feet, and the election workers were telling them you had to stay back and social distance six feet. Well, like, they're like, well, <laughs> Steve Carr won the lawsuit saying we can be within six feet and you know verified our rights, but they were kicked out anyway. And so these are the types of things that you know I, I was fighting for before the election even happened. Yeah, that's uh, we kind of saw that in a lot of places though, right? Where it's there were things that they weren't allowed to do. Different states changing things at the last second, and everyone knew they weren't allowed to do. But you could almost kind of steamroll it. It's like. It's like in middle school or high school when you like pull like a fast one on like a substitute teacher and like hindsight, you know, the teacher comes back from whatever pregnancy leave and she's like, did you guys do this? And it was like, you get scolded, but like y'all got away with it. You and all your idiot friends all happen to get a 95 on the test, but you cut and then, you know, and then they, they tighten it up and they make sure it can't happen again. But in that moment, you can kind of just bulldoze. You tell the nerdy kid to shut up. Like we're doing it anyway. It seems like that's what a lot of things were happening. When it was like, wait, this can't come in this late. What are they doing? We're signature verification. And by the time it was all settled, you'd have a lot of people going, yeah, you know, they, what, you know, they couldn't have all that stuff. But guys, listen, you know, Trump lost. Let's say, you know, it's time for unity, all, all that bullshit. Um, so I would imagine that's probably the same thing that happened with social distancing. But like that substitute teacher analogy, once you play that hand, you, you can't play it again. That hole gets plugged up that weakness in the security gets fixed. Do you think that that is actually a benefit going into 2022 is you can only play that election fortification hand. People are wise to it now. Do you think that will be a benefit? Well, and I think it played out in 2021 in Virginia with Youngkin. The number of people who poll challenged in Virginia was far higher it was like 90, 95% of capacity was filled by poll challengers compared to 20, 30%, many circumstances in other states. People are more engaged, more ready to go and verify that mistakes are not being made, whether intentionally or unintentionally by the election workers on election day. Yeah. So, and was that, was that in Michigan? The, I, I remember watching, I remember, I still have the screenshots on my phone of watching like the electoral map change at like 3.30, 3.35, 4 a.m. Was the boarding up of the windows, was that Michigan? Yeah, at the TCF Center. It's uh, over in the Detroit area. So aside from this, just what we're talking about, you know, people being more inclined, people being more uh, awake to it, um, ironically enough, kind of like a like a, like an immune system. You know, once you attack it, now there's sort of antibodies towards it. What else has been done legally with with mail-in? Because they're still going to try to milk the, the coronavirus, even though it's not nearly as big as a threat as it was two years ago. What else has been done? I mean, I'm more of on a big picture as, a, as opposed to relying on Joe Citizen. So a few things. Uh, one, uh, county clerk in Michigan questioned and challenged the signature verification process that they were using, which basically they were just 
made the assumption that if there was a marking in the signature spot, that it's presumed that it's, you know, the accurate signature instead of verifying it to the signature on record. So, you know, they said that the Secretary of State was wrong on that. Of course, absentee ballot applications being sent listed with that was a huge issue. So, but as a legislator here in Michigan, you know, I appreciate the fact that we've passed dozens of election integrity bills out of the House. But, you know, I asked my colleagues and I, and I asked people around the state, well, what's the point in passing dozens of election integrity bills unless there was a problem with the last election? To me, it's hypocritical to work on election integrity bills if there was no problem with the last election. So I said, this is an insult to the people from my community. Yeah. I had never thought about that, man. I like to think I'm moderately intelligent, but I've never thought about that. How, yeah, how the hell can all these rules get passed if there's nothing to if there's nothing to fix up? How can the doctor Correct. go in and fix everything if there wasn't a broken bone in the first place? It's like, oh, you, you gaslit me and told me it wasn't broken. I was limping. Finally, you go, all right, we'll do a couple of X-rays. We'll put in, we'll, you know, we'll put in like a titanium bolt in a cast, and you're like, you don't do that for a person with a perfectly good leg. That's a good point, man. Um, so, so with that, then what are the other things going on right now? Cause I know, and it's, it's always been a meme, at least in, in my life, I'm 31. Uh, like you don't need guns, you know, cling to your guns and your religion. It's, you know, who's going to attack you, the government. And I mean, really in my experience on this planet in 1990, up until a couple of years ago, it did always seem, it sounded great. And it's something you've always stood for. But ultimately, there never really seemed to be a real threat from the government. And I know that that's the complacency that allows these things to flourish. But again, from my limited three-decade experience on this planet, now in the last two, three years, really starting with the riots in 2020 to now the government, well, and that's just against your average sit or your fellow citizen, but now with government overreach, with uh, censorship, with calls for censorship from the White House, with mandates to take an experimental gene therapy, and you can't even know about the results about it for 75 years. All the doctors who are behind it are being censored and removed, deplatformed, and you're going to have to take this thing in order, and you're going to have to get annual shots in order to participate in polite society. And as we're seeing now in Ottawa, when the workers finally do unite and go, dude, we're not doing this anymore. They are passing the, or they're using the Emergency Powers Act. And I think as of about an hour and a half ago, the police have removed all media from downtown Ottawa. Jokes on them because I'm interviewing after this a, a guy in downtown Ottawa. So, but now more than ever, you actually start to get it. It's like when your parents are like, you know, always make sure you have a rainy day fund. But, you know, I, I grew up, I went to private Catholic school, went to college. Yeah, sure, you know, whatever, I'll just put it on the debit card. Versus when you're living on your own, you're like, this this podcast thing I'm doing, it might not work out. I got to make sure that there's something in the bank account. It's much more real and it touches home. That's kind of how I feel about the Second Amendment now. It was always this abstract George Washington, American flag thing, but it was, you know, and but whatever. Now it's very... Like, oh, the government will encroach. What are you going to do to push back against things like red flag laws or even the the comfort that the ATF has with with tweeting on Valentine's Day? Hey, like, do you want to get back at your do you want to get back at your ex? 
you know, Valentine's Day can be fun. Like, let us know if they have illegal weapons. We'll pay them a visit and make a Valentine's Day to remember. I mean, they're openly talking about swatting people, which will result in deaths of either officers and or civilians. What can you do? And, I, and I'm actually asking that. I don't know. What can you do to at least halt the encroachment on the Second Amendment? Definitely we need to be ready and to, to defend when we need to defend when bad things could possibly happen. But what I would like to see more of is us going on the offensive more and trying to make good things happen. So, for example, here in Michigan, I you know sponsor constitutional carry. Uh, it has not passed out. We actually haven't even gotten a hearing on it yet. But we have a Republican majority in the a Republican majority in the Senate, which is you know we're supposed to be pro Second Amendment in both chambers, and. The argument you hear from a lot of legislators is, well, the governor would veto it anyway. There's no sense in passing constitutional carry, so they don't try. Well, my thought is, will she veto constitutional carry, Governor Whitmer? Yeah, yeah, she she would. But we should still do it this term, A, because it's doing our job to defend the right to keep and bear arms, and B, and more importantly, is it sets the foundation for next term. She's up for re-election here. She's, you know, very disfavorable. Of course, she's been very quiet with the lockdowns lately because the midterms are coming up. So she's, you know, trying to behave herself because she's trying to get reelected. But if we get it through the House and Senate this term and she vetoes it, that sets the foundation to next term when we have a Republican governor to get it across the finish line. So whenever whenever legislators say, oh, no, we shouldn't pass it out of the House or we shouldn't pass it, now it's not the right time. The governor would veto it anyway. No, we should do it, set it up for next time. Plus, it's just the mindset in general. I just hate that that beta spineless, what's the point? Like, dude, then don't have the job that you have. Go go do something else. Like, go, go after it. I email, 99% of guests I email won't even give me a response. Not even a rejection. If I get, like, a, a rejection, I'm like, hey, I, they recognize my existence. But you go for it anyway, and every once in a while, you do get one of them. I've now interviewed Dr. Malone, inventor of the mRNA vaccine, six times. I've had on Mike Durant. I've interviewed an Apollo astronaut three times. It, it, it doesn't, you're not ever going to get it if you don't go for it. And I mean, you're going to fail the vast majority of times. But that also is important is start putting it out there in the public consciousness. Start putting it out there as a question for reelection. Like, why did you reject this? Because if you don't, you can't necessarily, in good faith, challenge or at least to convince the populace you can't necessarily challenge them and be like well if we had put this forward she would have vetoed it she could rightfully so say you can't just you can't assume that right and and who wouldn't do that i mean slime i I know you are but slimy politician right i mean why wouldn't you use that tactic you do have to quite literally bring it up to them put it on the table and get their rejection stamp like that that's that's worth something Right. And the tragedy that happened at Oxford High School with the, the shooting that was here in Michigan, uh, killed four students. Um, the response when tragedies like that happen is a lot of a lot of people end up saying, oh, well, we need to, uh, you know, be cautious now. Now is not the right time to work on Second Amendment type of, of, of legislation. The day after Oxford, and, and well, I actually looked at it not from a pro-Second Amendment perspective, but from a school safety perspective. And so my argument for school safety was we need to be better prepared when tragedies like this happen, not less prepared. And because of that, we need to open up the conversation dialogue 
to have more guns in schools so that we can properly respond when these things happen. I did that the day after the tragedy at Oxford High School. We need those types of, of bold leadership types of moves, not being, I guess, weak and cowards that now's not the right time and it might offend somebody. Now let's make the arguments and let's stand behind them. Yeah, in general, you can, but all these things point to, all these things point to people who want to be career politicians. That's what it's pointing towards. It's everything they're saying now is not the time, or she's going to veto it, or we can't do X, Y, or you know, she's backing off like you just said a couple minutes ago. She's backing off of lockdowns because re-election's coming up. That entire thing is the sort of, like the heart of the beast, is it's all about just perpetual re-election. I had on uh, Mike Collins, uh, who's running for uh, Congress out of Georgia, and he kind of said it best when I was asking everything. He was, you know, his thick Southern drawl. He was like, well, I don't care, man. I'm just going up there for two years. I know they ain't going to reelect me. He's like, I don't plan on making friends. And I was just like, that's kind of like a badass way to go in it. Like, well, Tommy, if you, you, you know, you're a radical, you're not going to get reelected. I'm like, dog, I only need to get elected once. Like, I'm going in there to do the thing. What is your take on that? Because... Again, I can, you know, in my leather chair, I can dictate how things should be ran in Michigan, a state I've never been to. But is there some truth to that, that you you can't go in there with the mindset of you got to play ball, you got to do X, Y, and Z, because then you just become another faceless suit spouting the same things about now is not the time versus going in there kind of, you know, with some like Chuck Norris energy and just being like, yeah, man, are you, y'all probably going to vote me out, but. Let's get shit done while I'm here. I think good policy is good politics. And so there's two ends of a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have what where the vast majority of elected officials are, where they don't want to ever rock the boat. They don't ever want to hurt somebody's feelings or offend somebody. So they try to take the most neutral and gentle stance possible. On the other end of the spectrum, you have people who say what they mean and they mean well, that's where Donald Trump is. I said on that end of the spectrum. And and I'm I'm more on that end of the spectrum as well, of course. And I think that's what we need is we need fighters. We don't need milk toast Republicans who are just going to go in there and try not to ever uh, get on anybody's bad side. Uh, we need to win the arguments. I mean, if you look over the course of the last few decades, how has society uh, been on a trend? Have we been on a trend towards following the Constitution more, protecting our freedoms more? Uh, upholding, you know, the office better. No, we're we're going off a radical socialist cliff. It's been a slow erosion of the Constitution for decades that's been expedited immensely in the last two years. And I think the more that this is an expedited process, this is a very critical time right now. Are we going to reverse this ship or are we going to go off the deep end? And then by that point, there's no turning back. Now's the time to fight. We have to save our country. Now's the time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the hill is here, right? The hill, the hill to fight on is here. It's, it's been going very slowly. Yeah. Some like Yuri Bezmenov active measures, you know, slower and slowly. It's been eroding for a long time. I interviewed Kent Clisby, a former CIA counterintelligence officer, his book, Willing Accomplices, about the whole erosion of the constitution over the past six or seven decades. It's been slow. It's been methodical and you have to respect your enemy. But it's speeding up, and because I am a a, a I am hopelessly optimistic, 
despite the fact whenever I interview like special forces guys, they're always like, dude, get your head out of the sand, they're like stack ammo and, you know, sight in your guns. And I'm like, I'm like, no, we're going to get out of it. But I really am because I do think that there is sort of a, and I, and I know the analogy is, is eye rolling, but there is sort of an inoculation that I think started with COVID with the riots of 2020 and with the 2020 election and the kind of the censorship that ensued and then the mandates, kind of all those things. It has, it has woke, and I hate that term so much, people are waking up. People have been saying that people are waking up since JFK was in office. No, no one's waking up. Those that are awake are awake. Everyone else is, they're not going to get up. Just It's just what it is. But there is this sort of, people are coming to to the fact that like there is something going on there is collusion there is you know when you deplatform dr malone when no one cares about a word joe rogan says for a decade it's fear factor guy it's joe rogan he looks like a thumb and then all of a sudden it's he's a racist he's a no one's ever cared about misinformation before no one's ever once said we have to take the tabloids out of the grocery stores because Elvis Presley is not still alive. No one's ever cared about any of that. But then all of a sudden it comes up with the 2020 election and there's a little blue label on every YouTube video or you get removed like I do for spreading misinformation about widespread fraud that resulted in the changing of the results of the 2020 election. Or it's, it's I mean, in true 1984 wrong think and like double plus good speak, them coming out and saying, you cannot be together, social distancing, and then turning and saying the BLM riots are just, like, we stand. And it's like, dude, like, what is it? Like, I get the whole civil right. Like, what is it? Is molecularly, is the virus transferring or not? All these things are moving towards more and more. And then the mandates. And then the just two days ago, three days ago, I, I interviewed a, a registered Democrat woman, Susanna, Susanna Newell. And she was injured by the vaccine. She used to she used to bike like 75 miles. She would train for these things in 150 miles in two days. Now she needs a wheelchair to get around her house. And she can't even talk about it. That's the whole that's the that's the whole other insult to injury. Right? It's one thing if you get raped. It's another thing if you're told to shut up. And she's sitting there going, I just she's like, at first I didn't tell anyone about it because I didn't want to scare people. She's like, I thought it probably was still good for people to get it. And she's like, and now I'm trying to speak out because I don't want other people. I mean, she's 40. She's, and she's like, I don't want other people to be injured. But the point is this, is the whole kind of word salad ramble I'm going on right now is because it's being sped up, that decades-long slow boil of the frog, they're sort of, you're celebrating when there's still a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. And to me, I think there's a lot of benefit in that for the 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 constitution loving god fearing patriotic americans is they're starting to see the mask has fallen off of the machine um your thoughts on that and i know i just bombarded you with a bunch of rambling but yeah so i would say that 90 95% of elected officials are complicit in the process of large corporations and big government being in bed together. And the home of what I would call corporate welfare used to, for the past few decades, be largely within the Republican Party. 
you know, you had your unions that were with the Democrats and you had your large corporations who weren't necessarily simply for less regulations and lower taxes across the board for everybody, but for finding the loopholes for themselves and getting the special tax breaks and bailouts for themselves that everybody else didn't get. And what we're seeing with a lot of these large corporations is they're starting to go off the radical socialist cliff with the left. And so the large corporations are shifting more into the Democrat Party and finding their home over there. Well, a lot of blue-collar union workers, thanks to President Trump, and wanting the opportunity to provide for themselves and their family and just have a strong economy with an equal level playing field for everybody, they're starting to shift more towards the Republican Party. So if we embrace as elected Republican officials true free markets with lower taxes across the board for everybody, less regulations that make a business-friendly environment, that's the, that's the viability of the Republican Party moving forward. We have to embrace it. That's what Republican primary voters have been looking for 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 decades. They just haven't had it delivered by their politicians. And the Democrat politicians would go along to get along with it, too, because that makes them look more moderate because, oh, yeah, I voted for a tax break. Yeah, for that special interest group. Well, thanks for the tax break for the politically connected who's funding your campaigns. Oh, now you're moderate because of that. No, that's crony. That's crooked. This is what's destroying our country. We need to stand up against this system and we need to embrace true free markets. That's the viability of the Republican Party moving forward. Yeah, beautifully said. Yeah, they they do try to do that uh, throw the bone thing where, you know, Bernie can say, you know, I I didn't vote to, you know, I didn't vote against the military industrial complex. Like, I'm I'm not a threat as a hippie. And it's like, well, dog, you voted for like Northrop Grumman and Boeing because they built a factory in your home state, which I get. I'm for. But like, you can't. Come on, it's cronyism. You can't say that. You can't say that at all. It's, I mean, it's it's Trudeau holding. Dr. Malone said it on my podcast two days ago. You know, it's just Trudeau holding forty percent, or the Trudeau Foundation holding forty percent ownership of Acuitas, which I didn't know this. I guess forms the phospholipid sort of solution that the Moderna vaccines used in. All right, man. Well, if that's the case, he stands to become a billionaire if they continue with the mandates. You could argue, you know, he could argue like, look, I'm not against corporations, but no, it's what you just said. It's 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 a plutocratic, oligarchical cronyism. There is sort of it seems like there's almost another switch of parties going on then, right? If if the workers uniting, and granted it's Canada, but if like the workers uniting, the blue collar workers uniting are being stamped out by the state and cheered on by the left. The very same left who's they're cheering they're cheering for the marriage between big pharma and the state to inject an experimental mRNA vaccine into the blue collar workers uniting. I mean, you couldn't write like a more ironic thing, right? The big corp of pharma versus like vitamins and minerals and exercise and the the, the blue collar workers versus like the elitists. There does seem to be a natural switch going on right now. Is that what you're trying to get across? And I have to ask these questions because I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, that's largely what I'm I'm getting across. And yeah, doctor-patient relationship, absolutely. Uh, this idea that we're going to have a one-size-fits-all approach for medicine. We're going to force people or coerce them into 
uh, wearing the mask and getting the vaccine and being obedient with the secular government, the more that people comply with this process, the more they're ripping the heart and soul out of our Judeo-Christian values as a country. Don't follow your uh, your Christian beliefs is what the government wants. They want you to follow them and comply with their edicts. And the more we continue and allow them to do that, the more we're going to see Christianity erode. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't comply your way out of this, right? No, you can't just just go into the ghettos, just wear the star, just get on the train, just go in the showers. And people always say, well, that's an absurd analogy until it's not until it's not because that is how it starts. You, you don't start. You don't start with genocide. You start with we need a strong return of the fatherland. That's how you start. And they push it that way. And we're at the point now where we're already at otherizing. It's about step five of ten of how to commit genocide. Um a few colleagues of, of mine and I, we introduced a bill to, you know, prevent vaccine mandates in Michigan. And, you know, the people on the other side of the aisle were saying, this was uh, maybe about a year ago, and they were saying, oh, well, what elected official is even talking about a vaccine mandate? Nobody's even talking about mandating vaccines. Like, why do you guys even think that this legislation is even necessary? Like, this is just a waste of time. And it's in a matter of months. And it's like, well, remember you guys' statements you all were making about vaccine mandates not even being anything that anybody's thinking of? It was so fast. It's moving so fast. It's dangerous. It's scary. We are, we are losing our country. We're losing humanity. We're losing Christianity. We're losing everything that we need to be fighting to defend. And really, it's not even everything we're saying aren't even necessarily like Republican points. I mean, at the core of what we're saying is less formally, you do you, I'm going to do me. That's kind of what it is, right? That's kind of what it is. Yeah. Autonomy and privacy rights are things that a lot of Democrats agree with. If you, if you want to dye your hair blue and, and, and change sexes and uh, go for it. If you, you want to wake up in the morning and, and smoke pot and scream about atheism, I mean, genuinely, I'm not saying this sarcastically, like, God bless. Like, that's what's so great about this. Because I have been that guy. I have been a liberal guy. I have had hair down to my ass and said, oh, atheism's the only way to go. I've, I've done that and I've grown myself. But it's because I'm free to do that, right? Now I can sit here and talk about the things I want. And in five years, I might be interviewing Democratic candidates because I've switched again. But that's the beauty is it's our ability to do me and you do you. I don't want to, I don't want to tell anyone they can't get a vaccine. I don't want to tell anyone that they can't, you know, turn off social media because they don't like the misinformation. You shouldn't have to be plugged in. You also shouldn't be forced to not be part of that. You shouldn't be shut out from polite society. It all is just, it's personal liberty. It's personal autonomy. If you want to go live in, in, in Brooklyn and do whatever, God bless you. You want to go live in the middle of Montana on 100 trillion acres, God bless you. That's all I want. I think that's all you want, but it's getting, it's getting muddied up to be this whole Republican-Democrat thing. But to me, that's kind of more the importance of what I'm trying to do now more with this podcast is... What you just said a minute ago. 
why do you need a why do you need these anti-mandate laws? We aren't doing mandates. No one's talking about mandates, you conspiracy theorists. And now it's mandates. You need passports. Excuse me, passports. We're seeing that more and more, right? The meme that what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and fact and it's it three to six months. That's what we're seeing more and more now. And they do a very effective job about gaslighting you of if you bring up, hey, guys, weren't you just saying that no one's ever going to introduce these passports? These passports were inevitable. What are you talking about? And it's like, dude, you just said you just said. So that's what I'm trying to do more with this podcast is to get video evidence with a a day, month, year, minute, hour, second stamp. That's what I had Dr. Malone do just two days ago was what are the predictions you have now? What's coming up? Because sure enough, they will say in a couple months that this was never an issue, yet it was. So what are some things that you are fighting for now? So I guess we'll kind of hyper-specify it for Michigan. What are some things that you're fighting about now? And what are your fears of what's coming that just like the passports, they might be saying no one's doing that in a couple months, they're going to be doing what well, we've, we've always wanted to do it. What where do you stand now? Or what are some thoughts and predictions you have now? Well, the one thing I'm working on right now that uh, trying to figure out how exactly to, to draft the legislation, I don't know if it's an exact answer to your question, but it's one I am excited about is um, basically having the department heads paid based on the performance of, of their department. And the way it works is, you know, every budget season, all the departments make the claim that they need more money in order to execute and, and do their job properly. So they have a conflict of interest. They want more money, which is arguably very rightfully so wasteful spending, more government intrusion, more government power grabs, more government involvement in our lives. They need more money, more, more money. Well, if they got paid based on their department being able to execute their uh, responsibilities at a more cost-effective way. They got paid more because they're cost-effective. That aligns and makes it run more like a business. So I'd like to see the department heads paid based on performance. Uh, so I'm working, I'm working on doing that. Uh, another big issue we have is all this federal money that's flowing into the states uh, that with strings attached, you know, in Michigan, we get billions and billions of federal dollars that come back to our state. It's like, Oh, here's all this free monopoly money, billions of federal dollars. You guys, you have to spend it in these certain ways. And well, so it coerces us into bigger government. To me, that's a violation of the 10th amendment. We have states rights, but they're going to sit here and tell us we can turn down that federal money if we want to. It's our choice. We could decide as a state we can turn down those billions of dollars coming into our state or we can take it with strings attached. And it acts like we have a freedom or a choice as state legislators to decide whether or not to take it. It's like, what a joke. That's coercion. That's just like everything we see with the manipulation of society with uh, its all approach to medicine. Um, destruction of the doctor-patient relationship, the intimidation of doctors for trying to do their best to protect their patients. Um, we're seeing that we're seeing these similar patterns that in our individual lives, as well as behind the scenes in government. It's a crooked, corrupt system. And now, and I and I do this. It always depends on who I'm talking to, what field we're talking about. But I try to 
I try to make it applicable to the person that may be listening, is what can someone do in Michigan? So the analogy I always use is, say you look at climate change and you have Greta Thunberg foaming at the mouth and, you know, we need the Paris Accords and it's going to cost a hundred quadrillion dollars a decade, whatever. It's this grandiose, kind of like what I was saying to you beforehand, like, I would love to see Section 230 repealed, or can I just stop complaining about it, find a website, an alternative website, and start uploading my podcast there? And uh, yeah, it sucks to suck, but uh, grab your balls and move forward. If it comes to if it comes to global warming, you can say we need all this versus like, all right, I'll, I can I'll start recycling. All right, I'll, I'll I'll start recycling. Maybe I maybe I'll take a ten minute shower instead of a twenty minute one. But to me, those are very empowering things because it's it's what can you do to change the world without feeling like it has to be some monolithic thing i always talk about mental health i try to interview people who are experts in the future of mental health i lost a sibling to suicide in 2014 mental health sucks but instead of leaving it out there like a, i hope the you know a big pharma cures depression one day instead i'm like what can i do i can bring on people i can try to remove the stigma around it talk about it talk about you know you're not crazy if you have suicidal thoughts. Open up about it. People do care. People do love you. Is it a little bit? It's a little, little bit. Am I changing the world? Probably not. But it's something that I can do. And it makes me, and it, it cascades into other people wanting to do things they can do. What are things that people in Michigan, or more directly, what are things that you're going to do that will directly affect the people? of Because... We can sit here and talk about the decades-long erosion of Marxists and, you know, fighting against China and personal liberties, and that's all great and everything, but it's also a lot of sound bites. What's, like, all, all like, bullshit aside, like, what, what can you do? And I'm not trying to put you on the hot seat, more so, as I just explained, I like to see things put into actual action. What can I, Tommy, do? Granted, I, I don't live in Michigan, but I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. In your future, the way I, I see me having an influence is largely in, in two different parts. One, at the federal level with running for U.S. Congress, I see me being a loud voice against the corruption, as, as we've mentioned. Um, it, it, and to elaborate on that before I get into my second point, you know, we've run trade deficits as a country for 50 years. And, you know, we have a redistribution of wealth from the working class in America to able-bodied people who are not working, but also towards the large corporations getting the special deals that everybody else doesn't get. And so the wage disparity back in the 60s, the top CEO closer to 55 times what their lowest paid yeah. employee was. And now we're looking at closer to 600 times what their lowest paid employee is. So it isn't because of free markets. I mean, if you're getting rich off a of fair and honest trade without a relationship with government and a special deal from government, more power to you. But if it's because of crookedness and it's a redistribution of wealth to the politically connected, who supports that? Unless you're one of the politically connected. And if you are one of the politically connected and you support it because it is in your interest, well, I think you should check your heart if that's how you're voting is for your own personal interest instead of the well-being of society. Uh, trade deficits for 50 years, that means that laborers in other countries have to work extra hard in order to subsidize our consumption habits in America. So when people talk about caring about you know minorities, things of that nature, well, what if minorities in other countries have to work extra hard in order for us to consume a materialistic lifestyle over here in America because we have the reserve currency of the world and 
been afforded the privilege of a trade deficit for 50 years. Uh, is, are these things that people talk about? Are these things that people care about? We should. And we should care about this as humans. So, you know, I'm going to continue to expose those kinds of things. But also, from a state legislature perspective, you know, some people are concerned, well, you're doing such a great job here in Michigan, Steve. We don't want to lose you. And I say, well, first of all, you know, don't you think America deserves me? Don't be selfish, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and secondly, um, I think that'll actually, like, I argue, how much do we really have me in the state legislature in Michigan right now? Because I vote no against more regulations, bigger government, more intrusion in our lives. But the bills pass anyway, uh, bipartisan support. And uh, and so I vote no, but 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 I lose, you know. Uh, so how much do we have me as a state legislator? But if I'm a congressman in the Michigan legislature here, if a chair of a committee is bringing forward a bad bill that is, you know, that I'm just like, no, I want to kill that. And they want to seek reelection for a third term. And I tell them, hey, you know, I'm Congressman Carr right now. And I see you're bringing up this bad bill. I don't want to see that move. Don't give it the don't get don't give it a vote. Uh, if this moves, expect a primary and I'm going to find one hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to endorse against you in the primary and uh, you can kiss your political career goodbye. I will play those games. Good. I, I will fight those fights. So you'll gain me in the Michigan legislature by having me as a congressman because I'll have more pull. And as my Godspeed, as my podcast grows, you can use my platform to publicly name and shame them. That's exactly what I'm – that's why I had on Susanna Newell, the woman that was injured by the vaccine. She was like, thanks for letting, coming me, uh, having me on your platform you know, you have 8,000 subscribers. That's 8,000 more people than I can talk to. And so I went ahead and sent some emails and got her on Stu Peters, who has 300,000 subscribers. And like, I just get, kind of get a kick out of like, if you're not allowed to talk about something, I'm like, well, let's talk about it. So yeah, no, I, I love that. If you're going to do that, blast them, put them in the spotlight. Because that's really the that's really the only way they scurry is so much of this is allowed to happen because no one's paid attention before from election fraud to like you said, the kickbacks to, yeah, man, if you're, if you're Joe Rogan and you start your own podcast and you get a hundred milli, like, okay, you hustled. If you're Tom Brady and you go through the end, you did it. Um, but when you're getting, when you're getting corporate subsidies and corporate welfare and the laws themselves are written so that there is no competition for you, that's not, you're not growing there. You're not doing that in any sort of meaningful or respectful way. You are, you're abusing the system. You've become a tick on the on the heart of america um also and i know we got to wrap up in two minutes but the the insider trading what are you going to do about that why is it that why is it that the politically connected are allowed to do insider trading well it's obviously a problem when we influence and meddle in the economic decisions of our country. This insider training wouldn't be an issue if we followed the Constitution more properly and and understood that our oath is simply to uh, protect the rights of the individuals. And we, we are so far involved as government, so far beyond the scope of the Constitution, uh, that this has become a problem. You know, we say that insider trading is supposed to be illegal, but there's, you know, loopholes around it. With, you know, people, we have inside information. It's, it's an unfair, it's an unfair game. 
it, it is inappropriate. And, um, and so what am I going to do? I mean, I'll continue to speak out against it. Um, we'd be happy to, you know, advocate, you know, whatever we can do to, to, to stop it. But you know, the, the founding father said that we're, Congress is supposed to meet at least one time per year. Uh, that's one thing in the Constitution I wish they would have done. They didn't envision so many committees and so many meetings and such a full-time budget. Uh, the federal government was supposed to be so small. And for the purpose, I mean, protecting us from our rights being violated, whether domestically or from foreign evasion, like th- th- these were the basic concepts. But government is way too big, way too intrusive, way too involved in the economic affairs uh, of our country. Yeah, to me, the the layman who again, I have no I have no political savvy, but if I could look at like the one thing that I think would resonate with everyone, kind of like how Trump had the ability to just kind of talk like, be like, yeah, yeah, I get that. He's just calling it out. It, you'd have to gut insider trading. It's so insane that when you look at the top performing hedge funds in the world, they're all topped by Nancy Pelosi and Dan Crenshaw. I'm sorry, but you're, if Warren Buffett's doing it, man, okay, then he really is like the goat, right? He is the he is the the oracle from Omaha. All right, he just figured it out. But when Nancy Pelosi and Dan Crenshaw are managing to outperform these these uh, these hedge funds, man, like I I don't I don't invest in the stock market. I invest in other things because I don't know the stock market and I don't want to lose what little money I have. Or I can take a risk and do it. But if you just get to see what's on the inside, if Tommy Kerrigan goes from, you know, every once in a while, maybe I buy a stock that goes up and I make 10 bucks and I become a congressman. And now you see me and I'm doubling my wealth every 18 months. There's nothing that's going to make the average American feel more disillusioned than that. You're very simply, you're getting to, you're getting to flip to the back of the book and see the answers to the practice questions. And that's just, that's complete horseshit. So, I mean, for whatever it's worth, man, I mean, the most important thing is definitely election integrity. But I would say if you really want to resonate with just anyone from across the aisle, yeah, shut that shit down. And I know I'm I'm sorry for the the language. I know you got to probably keep it squeaky clean, but like that is some BS, man. Like that they get to do that. And it would, I would, I would hate to see you take advantage of that as well not saying you would obviously i wouldn't have you on my show if i you know if i didn't want to see you do well but uh i'll get off my little soapbox um closing thoughts yeah. and i know i gotta let you run well and, and i uh i want to live the most modest life lifestyle people could imagine as a congressman i i want stability and security in my life imagine anybody would want but i don't need fancy things i I drive a car with 360,000 miles on it, and it gets me from point A to point B. Uh, I, until it's not reliable, uh, it's going to be my car because it's doing its job. I don't need fancy things. I just want to make a difference in the world. And that's why I want to go to Washington. And the, the power that people look to have uh, in, in being elected officials, well, we need to... What I want to do is I want to turn the power back to the people. You control the destiny of your own lives. That's what we need. We need to get it out of the hands of politicians. And it's going to be an honor to go to Washington and fight. Uh, you know, if people who want to find out more about me, you know, you can go to caraforcongress.com, C-A-R-R-A. Of course, you can read it behind me. 
for congress.com and anything you want to do to support me, I, I certainly would appreciate. And obviously my podcast, Carrigan, C-A-R-R-I-G-A-N. But it was a weird thing just hearing C-A-R-R. I'm like, oh, it's kind of <laughs> like, hey. Um, yeah, I'll put your links in the description, obviously. I'll put your social media, the donation page, the about you page, all that good stuff. Um, Mr. Carr, I'd love to have you back on here sometime. Thank you so much for coming on here. I know I, uh, I don't ask the most normal questions and I don't stay on topic. I kind of ramble in and out of things, but, uh, no, actually I don't apologize for that. That's who I am. So, uh, <laughs> normal elected official, normal isn't going to save our country here. We need fighters. So hell yeah, man. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless America. Mr. Carr. Thank you so much, sir. I will send you an email when this episode's up. I got two more podcasts today, so it won't be till later this evening. All the links will be in the description, everybody. Go check them out. And uh, love to chat with you again sometime, man. Thank you so much. That was good. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. Thank you. Recording Goodbye. stopped.